what is on the docket for today? I got Tour de France, some U.S. track and field trials review, a um, little NBA playoffs, a little Stanley Cup playoffs, and then a surprise in the Euro soccer tournament. But first, yeah, let me start with the Tour de France, and this has already been significantly altered for for the rest of the for the rest of the race pretty much after three stages here stage four is going on right now and yeah stage three everything just blew up a ton of wild crashes you had garrett thomas who was a former tour de france winner he went down his apparently dislocated his shoulder still got on the bike and and finished the race i believe he's still in the race right now he hasn't abandoned uh, the race but yeah, not looking good for him. It seems like Team Ineos is going to really focus on Richard Carapaz being their top guy in the general classification. And you could see in these in these really tough mountain stages, Garrett Thomas kind of being the lead out and helping Carapaz um, be in a better spot and, and stay high up in the overall standings. The I think the biggest crash that we'll have to see how things play a factor is Primoz Rodlich and he was my pick to win the entire thing and he crashed pr- pretty hard to where you had I mean I think the I th- yeah the left side of his jersey some of that was gone because he he was basically ran along the pavement there for a little bit um and yeah he they had to work his way back Yumbo Visma his team had to try to get him back into the field he didn't quite make it back he's sitting well I mean he's sitting gotta be at least a minute behind the field right now yeah I, I don't think he's even even in the uh, top 10 yeah he's 20th and he's a minute 35 behind because of the crash and it happened this was a this was a sprinter stage and I'll get to another crash that came closer to the finish line as well. But if you f- crash outside the, the three kilometer mark, it, it's, it's free game it, to where um, nobody gets the same time. If you're crashing outside the three kilometer mark. Um, and if, and if the, the Peloton is, is grouped all together, of course. And yeah, so Rolich paid the penalty for the crash. And I think you also had Tade Pogacar who won last year's, Tour de France. He also went down, lost a little bit of time, not, not nothing too crazy. He's still only thirty nine seconds behind the current leader there in Vanderpool of um of uh, Team Alpeson there. Uh, but so so Pogachar not too concerning there. He's only eight seconds behind Richard Carapaz, who's in third place right now for Ineos. So not 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 a big concern with Pogachar, but Rolich is going to have some work to do. He's going to need help from the Yumbo Visma team to to lead him out in the mountains there, um, and 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 just yeah propel him to a, a potential um, stage victories here and 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 hopefully gain some time back on the field. And the last crash happened less than what nine hundred meters to go, and it was with uh, actually it was in the final stretch, like going right to the finish and it was uh, Peter Sagan who's won the green sprinters jersey in the Tour de France for I don't know how many times like probably nearing 10 at this point um, or at least seven and 
it was him and Caleb Ewing, who's another really good sprinter on the on the Lotto team. He is from Australia, and those guys were trying to jostle for position. Their handlebars get locked up, and both of them go down. Sagan is fine, but Caleb Ewing is now out of the Tour de France. He didn't start stage four, and and he was likely going to be or if not the green jersey winner this year in the tour de france and and yeah this yeah i mean ewan basically crashed and, and skidded along the pavement there for a little bit and he was just down for a while sagan was super fortunate to land on ewan's tire versus the the pavement and and that's probably why he's that's the only reason why he's still in in this race um because he was able to kind of get right back up and and just go across the line, but Ewan was, was not um, that lucky. So the Tour de France is like completely wide open. I mean, you still have Alaphilippe. I don't expect him to be um, in ye- in yellow um, for for much of this race because you have those general classif- classification guys who are who are likely to um, to have. The, the stronger legs in the mountains but uh, yeah it's still something to look out for and it is really really up in the air um right now uh to where you have a bunch of top contenders um a lot of things can shift still because since we're we still have 18 stages left including two individual time trials but yeah it, it tour de france just got super interesting only after three stages <laughs> Okay, so for the U.S. track and field trials, I'm basically just kind of going to sum up like the highlights. Um, and obviously, I watched all of it, whether it was replay live. I, I saw every single final here. And you had Woody Kincaid and Grant Fisher, both of the Nike Bowerman Track Club. Uh, they qualified for both the 5,000-meter and the 10,000-meter event. So they'll probably look to run both of the olympics uh, might as well take advantage of that opportunity the scheduling conflict shouldn't be too too difficult um and on woman's side you had the same deal with uh, carissa swiger who went to missouri i believe uh was an ncaa champion and she qualified for both the 5000 and the 10,000 meter also on the nike bowerman track club team so that the club is really good at, at um, getting the most um, from their distance runners. Uh, what do I want to go to next? Oh, I mean, steeplechase. You could add Courtney Fredrickson there being a Bowerman member. And then she was second place in the steeplechase trials. But the the a big hope in the steeplechase race when it comes to the Olympics is Emma Coburn. Uh, she was the world champion in 2019. I think Fredericks actually got the silver medal in, or silver or bronze medal in that race. Um, so two runners who can potentially be on the podium in Tokyo and, and yeah, Coburn looked really good, um, really controlled in, in, in that race. And yeah, expect a gold medal effort from her. If I let's see, do I want to stick with distance? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the 1500. And this is actually real interesting because you have Cole Hawker, who is like a freshman or sophomore at Oregon University. Uh, he won the men's 1500. He actually beat and outkicked Matt, Matthew Sensowitz, who won the gold medal in 2016 for the United States in the 1500 meter. And the thing with Hawker is that he doesn't have the Olympic standard. So that means that it's going to be up to the the world athletics and the olympic committee 
to decide whether or not he gets an entry into the Olympic field. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be running at the Diamond League event in Oslo coming up this week to try to get the qualifying standard. Um, I don't expect him to. I think Hawker's probably going to rely on the 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 um, the committees to pick whether or not he's in. But yeah, it's a real interesting development how you have the U.S. champion in the 1500 maybe or potentially not being able to run in the Olympics because he doesn't have that time standard. Um, I think. I mean, this could probably change, especially if you're if you win a a U.S. national championship in your event, you should probably just get a bid in. I understand the two, and if you're in second and third place and you don't have the standard, then that's different. But if you win, then I think you should probably just get the automatic bid. But um, yeah, we'll have to find out. I would be shocked if Hawker isn't in the Olympics, but like I said, it's still up in the air. Um, where to, where to next? Uh, oh, I'll talk about Shakari Richardson, and she qualified for the uh, women's 100 meter event, and probably the best or the second best 100 meter uh, runner in the world on the women's side. And I just think this is going to set up a battle between her and Shelly Ann Fraser Price of Jamaica in the Olympics 100 meter final. I, I, I really, this is it's probably going to be the, one of the most intriguing track and field events at the Olympics because you have Shakari Richardson, who, like I said, has one of the top times in the world or, or is the fastest runner in the world. Um, well, actually, just kidding on that but um you because you have shelly and fraser price who is the fastest woman alive right now ran like a 10 6 uh something like that and yeah so it's just going to be a battle between her and carrie richardson who has also run i think maybe a high 10 6 or a low 10 7 um so yeah it's going to be an, it's going to be an absolute battle there you had in the 200 meter you had Gabby Thomas, who went to Harvard, uh, was really good in college, now runs for New Balance, ran a 21.61, and that is the fastest two, woman's 200-meter time ever, only behind Flo Joe's 21.34. And that just tells you how good uh, <laughs> Florence Griffith Joyner was in her career. Um, but yeah, Gabby Thomas should be a gold medal favorite now, especially after dropping that time. And then you also have Jenna, Jenna Prandini who got second place in that race could have, could also be a medal contender if she runs like she did in the trials. And then this one is, is super cool to hear about is Allison Felix in the 400 meter for the woman's uh, at 35 years old after under, after um, going through a pregnancy and childbirth that, left her in rough shape afterwards uh is it comes back to the olympic trials and qualifies for her what at this point it's fifth olympic games um and yeah and she got second in the 400 meter trials so i don't know if she'll necessarily get to the finals of of the 400 meter but um but it's it's still a remarkable accomplishment that she was able to qualify for the olympics and if i'm going to the men's sprinting events uh the 100 meter was was highly contested there's there there was a, a it's um 
yeah, I, I guess a deep field uh, that has a lot of potential for runners to, to make the final. Um, you had Fred Curley who got third in that. He typically runs the, the 400 meter is one of the better U.S. 400 meter runners. And he decided to do the one and the two instead. And he qualifies in the 100 meter, failed to qualify in the 200 meter, but still um, making that switch fairly recently and, and having success and making another Olympic team. Um, that's that's a, definitely a thumbs up for Fred Curley. Noah Lyles did his thing in, in the 200 meter. Um, a little shaky, though, because you had um, Arian Knighton, who was a 17-year-old runner. And I think he was the youngest U.S. runner to qualify for the Olympics since Jim Ryan in the mile back in like the 60s, I think. And um, so, that, so that was remarkable. Knighton was getting the best of Lyles in, in the heats and semifinals, but then Lyles went back to being his, uh, being his um, world uh, champion self there and, um, and really, and really executing in, in, the, in the 200. And um, yeah, he, he should be close to the favorite for the, um, for the 200 meters there. And, and I really expect a good result from Lyles and then uh what else let's see oh men's 400 meter um Michael Norman just did his thing he he that was that was expected of him to win that one um his his good friend and former USC teammate Rye, Rye Benjamin he was five one hundredths away from breaking a 30 almost a 30 year old world record in the 400 meter hurdles um had a had a really good race he kind of had a shaky first um heat race there but uh, i think he correct everything corrected everything when he talked to his coaches and yeah he's he's going to the olympics should be um should definitely be a a um a favorite there i think you have um oh i i can't remember the the guy's name from norway but a, a norwegian hurdler is would be his toughest competition but uh, the way he ran um the race at trials I, he should be the favorite and going around the list here yeah kenny harrison the world record holder when the 100 meter hurdles kind of um, expected there of course um ellie st pierre had a good 1500 meter on the woman's side and then Let's see, where do I, before I get to the final big things of this trial, just want to make sure I got everything. Yeah, all good. So, yeah, I think the biggest surprise, at least for me, was in the 800 meter when Donovan Brazier, who was the 2019 world champion, he gets dead last in the 800, doesn't qualify for the Olympics. Clayton Murphy ends, ends up winning, and Clayton Murphy was in the 2016 games i'm pretty sure was a bronze medalist in the 800 meter then in rio and and he wins the u.s trials um he should have a good chance to make the final in the 800 meter at uh, in in tokyo but yeah just super shocking uh, donovan brazier just had one of the worst races of his life i don't know what the heck happened if it was a mental there's just a physical thing to where the legs just weren't there but yeah super shocking um you had, let's see, Grant Holloway in the 110-meter hurdles. He was a 2019 world champion. Actually, pretty surprising because he had won the NCAA champs that year with Florida. And then he goes pro, and then he goes and wins the world championships. Kind of remarkable. Um, he was one 
100th away from getting the world record in in the 110 meter hurdles um in his semifinal heat he still ran sub 13 in in the final but it wasn't as good as his 12.81 time but yeah the world record was 12.8 and he was just that close a world record that was in absolute danger and got smashed was Sydney McLaughlin in the 400 meter hurdles. She goes out and yeah, it was almost by three tenths of a second. She ran a 51 nine and by far McLaughlin is going to be the, the, the best runner in this Olympic field. The second best runner is the Leo Muhammad and I'm pretty sure Mohammed did have the world record at a 52-1-6. Um, she ran a 52-42, a season's best in this race. So I think McLaughlin and Mohammed expect them to be 1-2 in the Olympic final. Um, and then Anna Cockrell, the, the third-place finisher from USC, she was a NCAA champion, the 110-meter, uh, sorry, the 100-meter hurdles, and then the 400-meter hurdles, which is a rare feat. Um to do at the NCAA championship. So you have another good runner there as well in Cockrell. Um, so you have very stacked field for the women's 400 meters. And I think that's it. I think I wanted to go over everything I had to, um, that was probably pretty lengthy, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the summary of what happened at the U S track of field trials over the past two weekends. <laughs> Game five between the Clippers and Suns was last night, and the Clippers ended up winning by almost, what was it, 14 points, and they're forcing a game six. They're going back to L.A. to hopefully force a game seven, bring it back to Phoenix. But uh, I think the biggest factor here is Paul George, and he kept the team alive. I know he's gotten the the – um, lack of um, good performances in the playoffs. I know he's gotten that criticism uh, before, but but not last night to where he scores 41 points on 75% shooting, was 8 from eight for 8 from the three-throw line. Um, overall, the Clippers were just shooting great in, yeah, in general, uh, 55% from the field. Also had 58 uh, points in the paint versus 32 from the Phoenix Suns. Um, so, yeah, I think... The Clippers need to have that game again from Paul George. Um, got r good help from DeMarcus Cousins, 15 points off of the bench in 11 minutes. Uh, you need contributions like that from a player who who was used to be super good and now is more of more of a role player. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's you just have to have Paul George have those games because I think um, without that you'll have Devin Booker who scored 31 points last night be overwhelming um chris paul is going to play a factor deandre Ayton kind of had a lackluster game only scoring 10 points um but added 11 rebounds uh but yeah if it really just because at this point i think Kawhi leonard's done for the entire postseason so um yeah paul george i think um determines how far uh, the Clippers go. So they could be done in game six or they just keep winning and, and somehow get into the NBA finals. But right now still advantage Suns because I just don't know if, if Paul George can, can put this um, put the same performance together again in game six. And if I'm moving to the Bucks and Hawks, the Eastern conference finals, Bucks are up two one. 
kind of saw this coming after the game two result. It was surprising that the Hawks won game one in Milwaukee, um, but Milwaukee dominated game two, kind of did the same thing in, in game three in Atlanta, winning 113 to 102. And a big issue for Atlanta right now is, is Trey Young, who ha- tweaked his ankle and he should play tonight on, on Tuesday night. And, um, but I, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a little limited to where it's going to be interesting to see if he can put up 30 plus points. Um, it's yeah, it just really depends on how, um, the ankle, uh, feels and, and, and his, and see to see if his mobility is, is limited. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's not good for the Hawks, especially the effort they got from their other starters. I mean, you had 13 from Collins, 11 from Herter, and then only eight from both Capella and, and Bogdanovich. So the Hawks starters have to step step up here. I mean, you, you could get more help from Gallinari and Lou Williams from the bench as well. But when you have, I mean, it's, looking at last game, if you have Antetokounmpo and Middleton scoring 30-plus points, I mean, there's... It, regardless of how Trey Young plays, that is that is tough to beat. Um, and yeah, so if because if you have Giannis doing his thing, and then you have Middleton adding to it and putting a really good effort in, um, that that's problematic for Atlanta. So obviously momentum going to Milwaukee right now. Um, what what else happened here? Uh, kind of the same situation like like the Clippers over the Suns. Um, the points in the paint it was fifty six versus 34 points in the paint and Milwaukee also out rebounded Atlanta by 15. So when you have things like that, there's dominating in the interior of, of, of around the basket and all that, um, that to get those easy buckets, um, that's going to be a, a big separator. So yeah, just looking at the NBA playoffs. It's like I said, I, I still like Phoenix to, to move on just because of the advantage they, they built for themselves with a three, one series lead. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm really confident right now in Milwaukee. I think the the Suns and it, it's it'll probably it probably is um, showing with the Trey Young injury. I think they're finally um, coming down to earth here and um, and um, are are kind of losing um, their their legs, I guess, um, in in the playoffs here. And, and Milwaukee strength is is coming through. All right, just to finish up things here, Stanley Cup playoffs game one happened last night, and it was five to one lightning over the Canadians. And I expect this to be the trend. I, I really think the Lightning are probably gonna win this in four or five games. It's gonna be really um kind of not necessarily a boring series, um, but uh but yeah, I think we're I think we're gonna see a pretty dominant Stanley Cup uh, finals uh, from from the Lightning. And then this was super surprising in Euros is that France lost to Switzerland. So the defending World Cup champions lose in Euros to Switzerland in penalties. And it's kind of remarkable how the only person, the only player that missed, because it was Switzerland won 5-4 on penalty kicks, and the player that missed the penalty kick was Kylian Mbappe, who's probably the best player on the French team, and he gets a shot blocked by this by this the Swiss goaltender. And it's yeah, when you have your best player, your best hope for the country, miss that goal. It's I think there's been a lot of 
probably criticism and and storylines surrounding Mbappe missing the penalty kick, but it happens. And I think I'm definitely happy that Spain doesn't have to play France. Still taking Switzerland very seriously, but I'm glad Spain is playing Switzerland versus having to play defending World Cup champion in France. 